Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Caregiver and Physician Conversations. I'm Marjorie Pabst, your host. Thanks to eCareDiary.com for sponsoring this show today and on every Tuesday. You can find out more about my latest book, Words of Care, on eCareDiary.com, my website, mycaregivingcoach.com, and on amazon.com. The purpose of our show is to provide information on creating meaningful connections between caregivers, their families, and the medical community. Today is no exception, as I greet our guest, Dr. Carrie Prasant, whose book title says it all, Surviving American Medicine, how to get the right doctor, right hospital, and right treatment with today's health care. Our specific topic is three red flags that signal you are not getting what you need from medicine. Dr. Prezant is a hematologist and medical oncologist in Southern California. He is currently clinical professor of medicine at the University of Southern California, Keck School of Medicine. His book, Surviving American Medicine, received the 2013 International Book Award for Best Book in Health. And congratulations on that, Dr. Prezant. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. The book enables patients and their caregivers to get the right hospital, right doctor, and right treatments. As a grant-awarded researcher, Dr. Prasant has written over 400 scientific articles on healthcare, cancer treatment, personalized medicine, and quality of life for cancer patients. His current research concerns developing predictive, personalized medical tests for cancer patients. You can discover more about Dr. Prasant's work at www.survivingamericanmedicine.com. Dot com, or for doctors listening in at Medscape.com. As always, please give us a call with your questions and comments for Dr. Prasant at 347-857-3399 or engage us at eCareDiary.com with your comments. Welcome, Dr. Carrie Prasant. Thank you very much, Marjorie. Let's start first with why you wrote this book. Well, you know, in taking care of my patients with cancer or serious blood diseases, uh, the patients have a lot of questions, uh, the families have a lot of questions, and I get lots of questions just out socially, whether it's, you know, at uh, churches, uh, at uh, cocktail parties. Uh, people always want to get more information about illnesses, about preventing disease, and, you know, you give an answer to one person, and that's very little. Maybe they tell their family. But if you have a book and if you have a website, then the answers that you give for one person can reach thousands of people. And that's been very fulfilling to me to find that people have been reading my book, Surviving American Medicine, uh, which is available at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, and through reading the book, they've gotten answers to problems that they're facing in their own lives. So it's been very, very rewarding to see how the book is helping people. Great. And I'm sure over time you've seen uh, common, uh, critical common questions that have come up. And um, this way, like you say, you're able to get to greater numbers of people with some of those critical answers. 
Well, it's true, and and so many of us are troubled, even within my own family. Uh, My kids, my relatives are troubled by this problem or that problem, or questions about what should my diet be, what should my exercise be, Uh, should I take uh, extra vitamins or not. Uh, All these questions come up, and people are looking for answers. And sometimes they find them in the paper, but not often. Uh, Sometimes they find them uh, in uh, talking to their doctor, but what doctor has time to answer all the questions nowadays and what patient has the, has the list completely at hand to ask all the questions. So as a result, uh, you get a lot of questions uh, in the community and it's good to have answers and it's good to see those answers help, helping more than just one person. Great. Well, so we promised our listeners that you would tell them what you see as the three biggest red flags you can identify for caregivers and their families when it comes to medicine? Well, I think the, fir- the, the three biggest ones that I see all the time is, number one, uh, the doctor's giving some medicine, but the patient's not getting better. Uh, when you don't get better, you need to be able to get more information from the doctor, get a change of treatment from the doctor, or get a second opinion. The second question is, that you have those questions and you're starting to ask the doctor about them, but you're not getting answers. The doctor is just not engaged with you because they may be busy. Uh, They may not have enough time during a visit. They may be too busy documenting by writing notes or more commonly today, typing into a computer, not even looking at you. You How do you get your questions answered? And the third problem is that you're getting treatments, but boy, you've got side effects from the treatments, or they're really, really expensive. What do you do when you're getting side effects and the doctor's not really that available to you? Uh, There's only a few minutes to answer your questions. Who do you turn to? How do you get advice? How do you solve that problem? Yeah. Well, those are three very big ones. Um, Do you – what is someone to do if if all three of these are – a problem. Uh, seek other medical help. Find a new doctor. I mean, what is what are what would you do? Well, I think one of the most important things is number one, engaging your doctor. So you have to know how to get more attention from your physician. And you know, this is about caregiving. It's also about being a patient. Number one, when you go to see the doctor, write down every one of your questions. Read through them for the doctor as you have written them down. Expect to get an answer for each question and write down the answers to the questions also so you know you understand what the doctor is telling you. If the list is long, give that list to the office ahead of time and say, you know, I might need a little more time, uh, but here's my list of questions. And you'd be surprised. Doctors really want to give answers to all the questions, but sometimes in the rush of an office visit or the rush of having to document everything for the insurance companies or to uh, get authorizations for care, the doctor doesn't have much time. So by having those questions written down, you're more assured that you will get attention. Also, bring someone with you. Now, this is about caregivers. If you're a caregiver, you know you're going with the patient to the doctor's office. Make certain you engage the doctor Uh, with those questions also. Sometimes the patient's sick and the patient can't ask the questions themselves. So then it's appropriate for the caregiver to say, okay, let me read these questions that we've worked on together for you, doctor, and let me write down your answers. 
When you have two people asking questions, you get more attention. And lastly, don't forget that you can record what the doctor says. The doctor speaks a little more slowly and gives a little bit more careful answers when you're actually recording it. You can get inexpensive audio recorders at any radio shop, uh, or you can use your smartphone and just put it on record, and you'll get the answers. And you can listen to them again when you get home. That is a great tip. I had never thought of that, um, recording the answers at the doctor's office. That well, is you know, a great it. idea, as well as the others of, you know, asking the questions ahead of time, sending the list in beforehand. Uh, you know, there's technology out there that we can do all these things ahead of time. And so that's a, that's a wonderful idea as well. And, you know, I'd never thought of the two people together, are certainly going to get more attention than one person. Um, yet another reason to always have two sets of eyes and two sets of ears. It's um, always nice to appreciate the time it gives you. So, you know, this may seem silly, but, you know, an, an apple, bring in uh, something from your garden, bring in a flowers, bring in, uh, you know, a little box of chocolate, um, you know, to say, listen, I really appreciate you taking a little more time for me today. Uh, you'd be surprised how much that touches a doctor and how much they give more of themselves when they know that their time is truly appreciated. Uh, I'm not saying this because I want more things. It's just that that whole socialization type of pattern, which has been so prominent over the last 100 years with interactions between doctors and patients, seems to be going out of favor nowadays uh, and instead we're relying on digital technologies and uh, it seems so much more sterile. Yes, yes. And to remember, uh, to your point, that doctors are human beings too. We all respond to an apple, a flower, um, you know, being being appreciated. And so that that's, that's great. Any more tips for how patients can get more time and attention during a doctor visit? Well, one of the things is making certain that you have, if you're having side effects of treatments, uh, if you're having difficulty affording the treatments, that you write those questions down too uh, because it's important to interact with the doctor or the nurse practitioner or physician assistant, whoever's taking care of you that day and making the decisions. It's important to really go over those things as well. If you're having troubles with side effects of medications, make certain that you not only rely on the doctor and the nurse's it's good that you have a pharmacist who can actually talk to you about side effects of medicines, interactions between medicines, and if there are cheaper alternatives like generics or even cheaper generics, because some generics have become kind of expensive, uh, or if there are programs from the drug companies who manufacture the, treat, the uh, drugs that can help lower the cost of those drugs so you can get more affordable medications. You know, one of the major stressors for caregiving and being a patient as well. But one of those major stressors is the financial stress. And medications today have become a very important component of that. Gosh, you go to the pharmacy nowadays, you just are amazed at how much that bill just adds up and adds up. It's just overwhelming. Yes, yes. Um, I've often heard caregivers uh, called some of the best leaders that we have. And it certainly does take... Um, uh, not only management, but leadership in the sense of knowing all the different people with whom you need to interact and engage 
and in your in this case you're suggesting pharmacists who could you need to make them your friends as well as the people in the doctor's office well uh, as i point out in my book surviving american medicine uh there are chapters on uh, second opinions there are chapters on getting affordable medications but also in the very beginning of the book i say get your team together and who's the team well the patient of course and the patient's family or caregivers, very, very important. Uh, there's the doctor, doctor's nurses. There's the insurance and the insurance broker who can make certain you have the right insurance for you. And with regard to that, ways in which when something is not paid for, you can appeal that and get it paid for. There's, of course, the hospital, uh, and the hospital means you you have to know where you're going to go for emergency care, whether it's the emergency room or to urgent care or to the doctor's office. You have to know where that is, and you have to know that that hospital or urgent care is covered on your insurance policy. And lastly is the pharmacist. So there you have a handful of people who are your team. It's not just one person. I often say, you know, if you have just one star on your team, LeBron James, he's not going to win a pennant for you and not going to win the championship. You have to have everybody working together. It's truly the same way today in medicine, and so much more responsibility falls on the patient and the caregiver than ever before because doctors just don't have the time. Insurance is changing. Hospitals are more involved with uh, making certain that they've uh, documented their care. and uh, The nurses are spending more time doing that documentation. More pressure is on us to get the right care for us, and more pressure on caregivers to do the right thing for the people, uh, the patient for whom they're giving care. You know, in the United States, about 44 million of us are caregivers for other people. That's extraordinary. That's more than one in every 10 people is a caregiver today. There have to be support programs like eCareDiary.com and uh, MyCaregivingCoach.com. Your very show, Marjorie, really can help those caregivers to get, get give better care and get better care for themselves. Great. Well, thank you. And, you know, all these resources we're mentioning do have checklists. I know your uh, book, uh, Dr. Prasad, also has um, all of this written down. So you have a checklist and you can look and say, you know, make sure getting all of this covered. Um, when somebody's um, loved one goes to the hospital, let's going to shift to a hospital stay. What kind of tips can you give to caregivers to make that hospital stay better? Well, you know, hospital stays are very scary. First of all, yes, they are. <laughs> patients are sicker, so they can't make their own decisions as well. And how many forms do you have to sign when you come into the hospital? You're signing away everything, it seems. But all these processes and standard procedures that you have to go through have to when you're under stress of being sick, can be made much easier by a caregiver. So number one, always have a caregiver. That caregiver also has responsibilities in the hospital, making certain that all the information of the patient is given to the nurses and to the clerks who are seeing the patient. So having your home medical record, bringing in the important things with you so that you can give copies of those to the nurses so they can give you the right care. That's very, very important. 
making certain you bring your medications in so your home medications can be reconciled, this reconciliation process, with mm-hmm. what medications you're going to need in the hospital. And then when you leave the hospital, reconcile what medicines you're, you've been getting with the medicines you have to take again at home. Medications are an important source of hospital errors, so making certain that when the nurse comes in with medications, you identify all those pills as being right for the patient. Making certain that the uh, that the nurse who comes in has the right, you know, little container of pills for the patient, and not for the patient next door or the patient in a different room. That's really important. Making certain. Uh, the caregiver can make certain that when caregivers come in, uh, friends come in, or when nurses and doctors come in, that they wash their hands ahead of time. This is made easier because now there are the uh, these kind of gels in each room, uh, like Purell or other similar types of products, so that everyone can wash their hands easily. And as a caregiver, make certain that uh, you yourself wash your hands when you're dealing with the patient. Also, whenever the patient needs something, as a caregiver, you're there to make certain that the nurses come at a reasonable speed, depending upon what's needed. You know, I have patients, uh, I go in and see them, and uh, once the patient said, you know, the patient next door needed a bedpan, was getting very upset, crying, and the nurse never came, and the nursing assistant never came. So I had to go and help the patient next door with the bedpan, and it was really, really hard. How do you make certain that doesn't happen to you uh, when you're in the hospital or to a patient for whom you're, you're caring? You have responsibilities, and you have to make certain that the hospital fulfills those responsibilities. Sometimes it takes complaining to the head of nursing or complaining to even the CEO or the president of the hospital. By fulfilling that role effectively, you can get better care and make certain that the patient survives that hospital stay and doesn't have a complication. Yes. And, you know, I've read someplace where um, any new medical person who comes into a patient's room, they've never been in there before, that they need to address the patient and the family and say, I am so-and-so, I am the nurse, or I am the physician's assistant, but but make sure that everyone is aware of who this person is entering the room. I think that's very important. Uh, sometimes uh, patients in the hospital doesn't know who their nurses are, doesn't know who yeah. their doctors are. Uh, and that's because these introductions are not made. And more importantly than that, I mean, who remembers when you're under all that stress in the hospital? Make certain that you, as a patient or the caregiver, writes down the names of everyone and addresses everyone by names. It gets more attention from the nurses, more attention from the doctors, and makes certain that when you're calling them by name, they know who you are as well. Uh, this becomes very, very important and identifies who that team is that's taking care of you while you're in the hospital. Also makes certain that they're not giving you something that's intended for someone else. Exactly. So you've mentioned it's almost like the, the critical points in a, uh, in a hospital stay, uh, getting the meds right, washing the hands every time making sure you know who your team is. Um, Are there other key issues that caregivers should pay especially close attention to? 
Well, you're making certain that everything's neat around the room. One of the one of the uh, problems that we see is that uh, patients, when they're trying to get out of bed or things like that, have a fall and then they injure themselves. Hospital falls are very, very serious. Uh, so therefore, uh, in order to make that easier, make certain that the room is well organized, that there's not stuff sitting on the floor, make certain when the patient's going to the restroom that everything is out of the way so that there is no fall, uh, this becomes very, very important. Right. And so yeah, when, like when something falling, falling on the floor like a glove or something, so people can yeah, so slip just on a, it. Or a towel or a, uh, something yeah. from a tray, uh, something. It could even be, heaven forbid, a uh, syringe or something like that that fell off of a cart. Uh, these things uh, can be serious obstacles, which we can deal with those at home when we're healthy. But when you're sick in the hospital, you may not be able to pay attention to those things, yeah. and that can be a source for really severe problems. Uh, problems such as like a fracture, uh, problems mm-hmm. with bleeding, and these things can prolong the hospital stay and even create uh, problems that result in a patient having to go to a nursing home after a hospital stay or even sometimes resulting in death of a patient from a fall or a fracture. Yeah. Let me just pause here and see if we have any questions uh, from our listeners. Anybody on the line today for Dr. Prasant? Well, if not, let me turn to um, this whole notion of second opinions. Let's say the doctor comes in, you're in the hospital at this point, and provides a diagnosis or an opinion. How do you obtain that second opinion if you're there in the hospital? And, and are they useful? Are they helpful? Well, in my book, Surviving American Medicine, uh, there's a whole chapter on second opinions. Uh, this book is available at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. You can order it at your neighborhood uh, bookseller, uh, and electronic versions can be downloaded as well. And the importance of that, of that chapter on second opinions is that I give my ten commandments for second opinions in that. And among those are if you're, if you're given a serious diagnosis, and that diagnosis is potentially has lots of side effects, or that diagnosis may be potentially life-threatening. Always make certain that you get a second opinion so you're certain of the diagnosis, because doctors do make mistakes sometimes. There are different kinds of second opinions you can ask for another radiologist to review an x-ray, another pathologist to review a biopsy report. These are fairly simple. When you're in the hospital, you can ask the nurses uh, how you can order a second opinion, or you can just simply confront the doctor and say, Doctor, I'd like to have a second opinion on this diagnosis. When your primary care physician is admitting you or a hospitalist is admitting you and a surgeon comes in and says, this is what you have and this is what you need, you can use the primary care doctor or the hospitalist as the source of the request for a second opinion. So you can say, uh, Dr. Jones, the hospitalist, or Dr. Smith, my primary care doctor, um, I'm uncertain if the surgeon gave me the right advice. I want a second opinion from a second surgeon. If you're on an outpatient basis, you can, of course, turn around and just ask your primary care doctor or ask some uh, additional doctor that you have as part of your team that you need a second opinion from a different uh, cancer doctor, a different heart doctor, a different stomach doctor, a different surgeon uh, to get more advice on a particular area. And then your physician 
primary physician or one of your other consultants can suggest who it is and how you can get that second opinion. Even if you're in an HMO, you can get a second opinion. Even if you don't like your primary doctor, you can get a second opinion uh, from a different primary doctor and get uh, determined if you have to change your care. Second opinions are very important nowadays because many doctors don't give enough time for patients, so they're not the right doctor for you. And some doctors just are not up to date. Some doctors have conflicts of interest. They're treating you like the insurance company wants you to be treated rather than as you need to be treated. So second opinions are important. I've had them personally. My wife has had them. My kids have had them. Uh, I can tell you that no matter how much you know about medicine, second opinions can be the, make a difference between life and death. So never be reluctant to get a second opinion. If the doctor is going to be upset that you're getting a second opinion, then you really need a second opinion because no doctor should be seeing their, uh, that they themselves own you in any way. They're there to help you. And if they don't see themselves in that role, time for you to get a new doctor. All incredibly useful information. Thank you so much. Um, I also would add to that, you know, uh, caregivers have amazing intuition sometimes as well. You know, they're faced with a diagnosis from a doctor, and yet they're thinking that it's better than or worse than. They know that patient really well, sort of a holistic sense of that loved one, and sometimes uh, that caregiver intuition. So I would encourage caregivers also to speak up during this opinion process. Um, Is that something that you uh, would also, would you agree with or would you disagree with Absolutely, absolutely. Sometimes the patient's afraid to confront the doctor with a question, and so the caregiver can just simply say, now, I'm asking this question because it's really important uh, for the patient. Take that pressure off the patient by taking it on yourself. It's important for caregivers to have the right support for themselves. That includes the doctor for the patient needs to be the right doctor. The caregiver, because the caregivers can get sick and have lots of problems too, need to have their own doctor that they can ask advice of. Furthermore, there has to be a case manager or a social worker that can help that interaction to be better between you as a caregiver and the patient so that you can identify needs for giving the care. You can identify the support groups or support that might be needed. can identify also through your physician whether you need medications to help you deal more effectively with it if you're having anxiety or if you're having uh, problems. There needs to be a way also for you to have time out for yourself so you get some spare time, free time. You need to identify the needs and support necessary in that regard. And lastly, a case manager or social worker can help with identifying financial stressors or financial problems that can interfere with the quality of care the patient gets and also interfere with the quality of care that you as a caregiver can give. And so having this team together and working effectively is very important. Well, all wonderful information. And, uh, you know, our 30 minutes has just flown by. I want to thank you very much, Dr. Carrie Prasant. For our listeners, we are planning to have Dr. Prasant on the show later again this year um, to delve deeper into getting the right doctor, hospital, and treatment for you and your family. So do lodge questions on the websites. Um, because we'll address those later. Um, We will announce these plans early, 
so that you can plan ahead and tune in. And um, in the meantime, remember this show and others are archived both on mycaregivingcoach.com and on eatcarediary.com. Uh, if you go another, give it another 24 to 48 hours, you can go on those websites and listen back to this program today with all of the tips that you've heard. Um, Dr. Prasant's information again is www.survivingamericanmedicine.com. Any last comment, uh, Dr. Prasant, before we sign off? Well, Marjorie, thank you for paying attention to the caregiver needs in this country. It's something that is overly neglected. Uh, there's just been a recent uh, article in the Journal of American Medical Association, a whole issue devoted to that because it's an identified need. You're helping to fulfill that need. And for those of you caregivers out there, bravo to you. Carry on, and it's wonderful that you're doing this. Your life will be fulfilled by the care you give to someone else. Yeah. Thank you so much. And um, tune in again. We'll keep you apprised of Dr. Prasant's uh, being a guest again in our show. Everyone have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning in, and thanks to Dr. Prasant. Goodbye.